0: These are your eyes. These are your eyes with Visine. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. The show for independent business builders who don't want to burn out. Your hosts are Corbett Barr. If we were cigars, he'd be the Alec Bradley Tempest, strong and solid. Caleb Wajic, he'd be the Romeo and Julieta Reserva Real. Smooth. Very few nights, uh, one of these won't add something great to the conversation. And me, Chase Reeves, I'd be an origin original, small, ugly, delicious. <laughs> make money, money, baby. So February is money month at uh, at Fizzle and the Sparkline and the Fizzle Show. All right. If January was how to make your product, February is February is about the tools and mindset that you need to sell that thing. Here's the question. Do you think how you feel about money affects the performance of your business and even the kind of business that you build? That's one of a few really great questions that Corbett asks in this episode. We each share our own stories and mindsets about money in here. Uh, And I'm actually kind of embarrassed by mine. Money's just, money's weird like that. But boy, by the end of this thing, you're going to have thought through some serious bits about money that a lot of people don't end up thinking through. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. Okay, so today we're talking about money stuff. You guys, I'm sort of in a fragile fragile emotional state. Can you guys just be delicate with me throughout the course of this conversation? Aren't you always in a fragile (laughs) emotional state? (laughs) (laughs) Did did Caleb just awe-block me? Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I... I, uh, so and I'm glad we're talking about about this. February is money month here, and we're not doing like a big uh, podcast sort of uh, you know bunch of interviews like we did last last month. That was actually turned out to be kind of a lot of work, but wow, is it ever worth it? I think those episodes are some of no, well, not necessarily some of my favorites, but they're just I feel like they're 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 the kind of the most valuable in yeah, some ways in super terms of useful. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, and that was a lot of work, but it, they're they're awesome. Uh, and if you haven't seen the January roundup post of that thing, you have to go see it. You'll see it in the. We'll put a link to it in the show notes of this episode. And this Caleb is going to be number forty. Correct. Fizzleshow.co/slash/forty. Okay. So, but but if, if January was, what do I, what am I going to build to sell? What am I going to make that's worth somebody's dollar? What what's my first product that I'm going to make and how am I and, and how am I going to just make the thing? If that, January is about making the thing, February is about okay. What are the tools I need to be able to sell the thing to to make my first dollar so that I can so I can go to the bank and get it and frame it, put it on the wall, and and look at me now, mom. I'm an entrepreneur. Um. If, so and associated with the money stuff, there like money is this gooey sort of question. It comes with a lot of invisible baggage for a lot of people. I think, I think for my hunch is there's a lot of invisible baggage for me about money. I think, uh, and, and I don't really see it very well. And Caleb, you were doing the personal finance stuff for a while. Yeah. You must've seen some, some monsters in the shadows
1: for people. Well, not even just people in my audience, but just friends and f- close family members. It's a, it's a tough thing to wrap your head around, to struggle with, to fail at completely. Um, mm-hmm in my own family there are people that you know have gone through things like house foreclosures, bankruptcy, stuff like that, repossession. Yeah. So and I think that that was part of the reason why I started taking it so seriously. Mm. Yeah, you see what's at stake yeah. with some of this stuff and
0: and all of a sudden it's like oh no, if the bad guy wins like we all die. Um for for uh, for the purposes of this conversation, just money for an entrepreneur um there's this quote from uh from well, okay, two things. First of all, Josh Shipp wrote an amazing uh blog post at the Sparkline and Caleb, that's going to be out by the time this airs, right? Should be, yeah.
1: Yeah, he wrote a great post. you can post, edit this out if it's not.
0: And I can edit it out if it's not. <laughs> he <laughs> wrote remember. a great post uh, about about uh, you know, thinking through some money stuff. Josh had a, a crazy backstory. You've heard him on this show a couple times before. He's a he he's he's been a youth speaker. He toured with Bill Cosby and now he like trains up other youth speakers and has this whole empire of, you know, creating Amazing little mini me's with perfect haircut and some little hands. Uh, and he and one of the po- the points in his post that sticks out to me is this: this thought about money is amoral. Money, money does not have a morality. It's just a resource. It's like wood or steel. You can use it to to make a gun or to build a bomb or to build a bridge or to build a house for your family. Like you could do it. To, you could use it to do a bunch of different things. But I think in some ways, like I come from a background for, naturally in some way. I I don't know that I like, where I like I don't like money or I'm uncomfortable with the concept of money in some ways. And again, I'm just kind of reaching here about like what I think might be going on inside me. Is this going to be a therapy session? My name is Chase and I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> but uh, but what I want to go through in this conversation is just thoughts about money. Like Corbett, I'm really interested in, in how you evolved from you know uh, in tall cotton back in uh, in Vancouver. Washington as an IT consultant for the police department all the way up through you know consulting and being flown around the world and doing all the sexy money stuff to like really sexy startup raising the money doing the things having millions of users all that stuff to <laughs> saying goodbye and driving a Subaru with your wife and and your dog through Mexico and being like life's pretty good man i think i'll start a blog <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm principally curious about like what has your concept of money changed over time Corbett
2: um, yeah definitely like, like Caleb I think I come from a, a similar background I have uh, you know issues within my family where people have had to file bankruptcy and foreclosures and all that kinds of stuff and I grew up my parents were very poor when I grew up um, my mom worked two jobs my dad was uh, an auto mechanic and that sort of stuff so um, I'm generally you know in whatever company I'm in I grew up the poorest. <laughs> Uh, of all of my friends. So um, there's there's definitely some baggage there, but also just the way my own career worked, I ended up making a pretty damn good living at the age of 25, 26, 27, something like that. And um, I didn't realize until I decided to start being an entrepreneur how important that was at the time and how lucky I was that I decided to save money because that really enabled me to take a couple of big bets as an entrepreneur because I had some financial safety cushion there you know and a lot of people hmm. don't have that and when you're trying to feed your family and work a job and become an entrepreneur all at the same time it's it's really hard and you know I don't uh, I don't I hope that I don't try to hide any of the fact that I had it pretty good because I did have the luxury of being able to spend a year on my first attempt at being an entrepreneur before I earned any salary, and then again this time around spending another year or so. Um, and and that's a really great thing if you can do it. Um, I don't know what does that is that what you were looking for?
0: Yeah, I, I think in some ways it, it it's good to, to hear that like you know your background coming from. Those kinds of situations where there's foreclosures and bankruptcies and things like that, forcing you to think pretty serious about money early on. Mm-hmm. and you could see how that would spring you into heading towards a, a career path that you're like, well, how do I get the most money?" <laughs> you know and towards the the consultancy type stuff when you were doing that, and then into, okay, well, the next step from this is doing my own company and and that looks like raising money and doing all this that and the other. And then you kind of have, then you land where, where you are. And I love that you say like saving the money through those big things is what allowed you to take the ultimate gamble of saying goodbye, going on sabbatical, and living off of savings where it's, where it's very affordable to do so down in Mexico and extremely dangerous. I mean, people shouldn't be traveling to Mexico, Corbett, right? Roll I mean, you, most of the time, I mean, people are just, they fly down there and they just get kidnapped and stuff, right? Mexico is just super dangerous, yeah, I've right? Yeah, I've been kidnapped
2: 11 times.
0: That's crazy that you got out every time. I know. It, it's. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I count my blessings every day.
1: <laughs> I thought if you weren't a kid, they'd just throw you back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nope. Too big. <laughs> How do you say, thanks for letting me go in Spanish? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Gracias por relézame. <laughs> <laughs> Gracias por raciones, por favor. <laughs> um, but... That Yeah, that's kind of interesting. It kind of colors colors the story that way. And, you know, I got to be honest. Like, I'm I'm the kid who grew up in upper middle class, you know, with like a, a dysfunctional family. Uh, and, and like every kid in my town got like a, a you know, Ford, I almost said Dodge Mustang because I'd known zero about cars. <laughs> but they all had like the new Mustang, like their 16-year-old birthday and stuff like that. And I was, I didn't like that. Like, I was uncomfortable with that. Like, we had the money, but like, I was the punk rock kid who was, was actively working against having money, or at least working against looking like I had money. you know. And, and that, I think that, that still sort of sticks with me to this day, which is in some ways, it's a good thing, because that's what keeps me as the golden retriever, the one who's coming up with a bunch of fun, interesting, you know, whatever ideas that may or may not inf- impact our bottom line here at Fizzle. But they're fun things to do, like the unless I hear differently thing, like uh, like like you know gifs when you sign up for Fizzle, little sort of ideas like that. That that's that's what makes me more happy to make than anything else. Um, yeah, but so so what is that? I I do.
2: I mean I I, I agree. It seems like you have some uh, some hangups with that. I notice it sometimes when we're talking about just something as simple as like you know including a little affiliate link in something that we're doing. You tend mm. to shy away from that, and and I don't think that's necessarily. Exactly the same thing, because obviously you know sometimes those are small decisions. But um, what what is what do what do you think that is like? Why, as a kid growing up amongst wealth and your parents did well for themselves when you're growing up, like what what was that
0: that uh, made you shy away from it? I just I don't know. I I guess I in some ways I I mean I, I always couch things in that like high school environment, right? I think I think all humans are basically still in high school and we're just trying to figure out if we fit with the with the jocks. Or the cheerleaders, or the drama kids, or the God Squad, or the, the dudes in choir, or um, or whatever, right? I mean, that was so poignant for me. Looking around, being like, who Who am I? You know. And the funny thing is, I actually got along quite well with like all of these people. I was weird, I was funny, but I could still hang with the jocks. I I was I got kicked out of uh ceramics and forced to go into drama so i actually kind of got on with the drama people even though they were not my ilk in a lot of ways and i wish i would have seen that they actually probably are like that could have changed my life for forever if i would have head down that path you could be making pots yeah i could i exactly Really, really great like on ghost I, I do have some pretty interesting uh, clay clay things that I made that are that I'll show them to you one time. Are they? Uh, they weren't they weren't things? pots. They were actually like I created like I created this like pinup girl on a big old uh, a, a big uh, anchor because I was into all that traditional tattoo artwork. So I made this massive two foot anchor out of clay and it was it's kind of cool and and then like this really weird looking. Pinup girl <laughs> wearing like a long red dress, and it's like w- you tried to make a human out of clay. Is that what you did? It didn't work very well. <laughs> I can see that those are legs, probably. But other than that, <laughs> and that's why you got kicked out. <laughs> I don't know. He called me a zero. He always called everybody a zero. Oh. What was his name? It, no, he was actually a great guy. Okay, but uh, but anyways, <laughs> like I think part of it's always everything is an identity thing for me. You know, so I was in, I was like a, a hardcore and punk kid. I would go to the shows in Berkeley and I wanted to be cool to those people. Cause that looked like an intensity and a ferocity that I, uh, or a, rather ferociousness that, that I felt like felt more real to me, felt more in, it, it like, I don't know, primal and real. And I liked that. And it was still the same thing. It was still in high school. You know, there's still clicks and crews around, but, but because of my exposure there and because I had some, you know, I guess, poorer friends that I really, really loved, I was like, I was like, well, clearly it can't be about the money. So I think it turned into don't ever let it be about money. Like you can't let the good or the bad be defined by the money. And that that should be a good thing. And I think it ended up being a little more of a heavy issue for me or something. But again, I, I don't really know. Like I, I I just think the way that I th- do about things because I had the opportunities and the, and the outlooks that I that I had. But like, you know, you you bring up a good example of like an affiliate link in a thing. Now part of me thinks... I don't want to put an affiliate link to one of my friend's products in a post that, that will get a lot of traffic because, you know what, I, want to, I just want to do a solid for my buddy, not have him share 50% of his revenue with me. We really like that product. We think it's, it's awesome. And, and to be honest, that's just, still, that's just chump change. Yeah. That's chump change. We should be making more money than that. We should, we should never link to affiliate stuff because we should have a very, very useful, valuable product making money. And that's what Fizzle is. You know, and I kind of want to just behave as if that's happening, and it, and it is to, to certain degrees. There's a lot of places we want to grow, but but um, but another thing is is that concept, and, and we, we should just like riff on this stuff now because one of the things that's become really important to me in the way I think about money, it's something I have to physically re- or like you know mentally do the work of reminding myself of. It's, you know, what this thing is valuable. It's worth money. If you can't pay for this, I learned from Chris Johnson like Chris Johnson in his sales environment, he's like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell 10 of these videos this month. I don't care if it's you or someone else. I'm going to sell 10. It's not going to be a problem. We have that kind of sales funnel. The, and I'm not just making that number up. That's the number we've identified as what consistently happens. It's just one step above what consistently happens. I know we're going to sell that many. So I don't need to be desperate when I'm talking to you right now trying to sell this thing. And I love the, the cut and dryness of this. You know, I used to be a Jesus guy, where everything was drenching with morality and a rightness and a wrongness. And I fell in love with business because it kind of didn't have that. There was like there was like this uh what was it? There's a secularness to it, this a this not moral thing about it that I was I really kinda liked after after spending the previous ten years drenched in in right versus wrong and darkness versus judgment. light. And, yeah. Yeah. And judgment, that kind of stuff. So it felt it felt very. uh It felt like buying something at the grocery store, like it's just chicken, like or it's bread. It's bread. You, you, you. Of course, you're going to pay money for the bread. You would never say, like, wait, is this bread on a freemium model up front? I mean, are they trying to make me a client up front? Are like, they looking for high data here? Or are they yeah. venture backed or what? Like, no, you paid the money for the bread. I love that idea, and I want. Uh, so, so, but that's something I've actively had to like, kind of do the workout to like, not get comfortable with so much as like learn that. Oh yeah, that is true. And well, see that. Oh yeah, that is true.
2: It's kind of true, although w- traditionally in business, you know, I'd say that money actually is the judgment. You know, it's like is mm-hmm. your
0: is your venture profitable or yeah. not? And so there is kind of a, a black and yeah, white yeah, whether thing. or not they buy is it is the is the sort of thing, and it, I guess is whatever the rubric, the judgment. And I like that because what we're talking about is people who have a need versus you know heaven and hell in some ways, right? There's a there's a kind of there's a kind of, no, and even, and even sell, so, like, I mean, I'm really good at making, I've done this for a career, making marketing campaigns of trying to get people to need something they don't yet need necessarily. You know, that's what marketing is, is like, huh, how can we make these people think that they need this thing half the time? Right. You know, luckily with Fizzle, I love that I get to market something that is truly valuable. It's like, I would love to start a business and support myself. I don't really know how to do that. Is there a place I can go where I can learn that along the other side? Uh, alongside other people who are do, who are learning the same thing. Oh, <laughs> bing 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 bing, we found it. Like I love to market and sell that. And I and I love and so part of it has really been I've learned a lot just selling Fizzle because it's like I'm shameless about promoting it because I believe in it. It's like, "Oh no, this is super valuable. Let me send you 150 testimonials that we've got from people who are like this changed everything about how the way I was approaching my business." You know? And so I guess in some ways the results and the feedback Have really started to color that. And that's been a big growing thing for me at Fizzle for a little while. But, and also part of it is I just come from a designer world where you're like not allowed to ask for money. It's like not cool to have a book for sale when you're a designer. Right. It just isn't. When you used to play
1: music too, where you don't get into music for the money because it's so hard to break through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So,
2: so how do we want to, how do we want to frame this? Because I think one of the interesting questions to ask here is, how does the way that you feel about money impact how much money you actually earn, or that you bring in with your business? And how are those things related? And for people listening to this that aren't earning much from their business, is it because of their <laughs> attitudes towards money, yeah. um, or is it because the thing that they're creating isn't valuable enough? And how are those related? You have uh, you have some good quotes from a Seth
0: Godin thing, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think well, before we get into that. Right there's there's uh there's this in the Jesus world there's this thing called the prosperity gospel, right? If you if you see it and it's like the same thing as like the you know the secret and shit like that where it's like if you see it and you claim it and you waste you 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 put it out there into the universe that that will come that energy will come back to you right the, like it's like yeah manifestation the name it and yeah exactly the manifestation gospel the, the name it and claim it type stuff right so there's this some people are making a this is this is what I equivalent like the snake oil salesman stuff to nowadays in a lot of ways but it's like cuz I don't believe that I don't believe you just change your mentality about money and and decide to try to believe that instead of there being a scarcity of money there's an abundance um now all of a sudden everything changes but there is something in there too not the fucking secret but get it back from the universe stuff not the god will honor you for this that, but just that like you know what there really isn't a scarcity of money. And the question really isn't about uh, you know, whether your thing is good or bad or, or this, that, or the other. Or what am I getting at there, I guess. What I mean, you know what I mean when I talk about the prosperity gospel stuff or whatever, the, the manifestation stuff, right? Yeah. Or the secret. If mm-hmm. I just want something bad enough, I'll get it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I mean, we. I don't believe in that. And I don't think that's the way to making more revenue. But there is something in your question that you just asked, Corbett, about like, how we feel about money is probably impacting how our businesses are performing. And again, I want to, I really do want to focus this in on as us like bootstrapper, independent entrepreneur types, you know, our revenue is, is a result of the work that we're doing or not doing or doing well or poorly, you know? So how can, how can we think better about the money stuff and the the I don't know what what's a good answer for that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think um, you were hitting on
2: it earlier. There's there's a lot of guilt associated with marketing your thing and putting it in front of mm. people and charging for it and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, if you have that guilt and you shy away from doing the things that you know you need to be doing to actually make you know an income, then you're going to suffer. And I think there are a lot of people there are a lot of people out there with blogs and podcasts and things like that, and they're sitting there r- racking their brain trying to figure out what they need to do in order to earn an income. They're kind of just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And what they don't realize or what they're not willing to admit is that you need to create something for sale and then constantly offer it to people who might purchase it. It's it's really actually fairly simple, but a lot of the hangups that people have about putting something out there for sale, whether it be because they think money is bad or probably more likely because they think that when people don't buy it it's a really poor reflection on themselves it's almost like they, they can play business without putting something out there because then they never get the judgment as to whether yeah. or not the thing that they created is actually valuable enough to some for someone to bring out their credit card
0: yeah absolutely and, and I, I think it's interesting I guess I'm, I'm trying to walk around this without getting directly into the Seth Godin quotes because they're really good uh, and I kind of want to set them up a little bit better but I think we should just jump into them. There's this post I found from Seth Godin when I was searching about this stuff. He's got this post about thinking about money. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. And, and there's there's a lot more in it than than what we're about to talk about, I think. Uh, so you'll definitely want <laughs> want to check this thing out because it's short and sweet and just awesome. Um, but again, you, you mentioned right there, Corbett, like the guilt or like these sort of, I don't deserve it or I'm afraid of it kind of issues with money. And again, that's what I feel like I probably, uh, there's a lot of us that have that and I don't know if we necessarily know it, you know. But when I read this little quote, uh, one of the Seth on this post, he's got like you know fifteen points or whatever about like things about money that you should be th- you you might want to be aware of. And one of them, when I, as I read one of them, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is a really good way of of putting it. He says, "If money is an emotional issue for you, you've just put your finger on a big part of the problem." Well, okay, I'm gonna stop there. And before I read on further. Uh, I'm like, well, okay, maybe it is an emotional issue for me. How do I know? You know, I, like I, I can picture if I was a gambler, um, and I'm just addicted to that. Like, okay, you know, blackjack. Okay, hit me, hit me, hit me. Oh my God, I just lost all my money. Like, oh, you know, I just not only my money but my friend's money. And this is the fifth time this month, right? Something like that. Like now, I've got results to say. I've got, I've got experiences to say. Like, maybe this is a problem. You know, and I don't know if just being poor is a clue. You know, or or just feeling uncomfortable. Asking for money or or something like that is really the the feed or the data where you can make that kind of uh, judgment about yourself. You know whether or not you are emotional about
1: money. I think there are a but lot of he, different ways to tell, though. I think what, what, what comes to mind for you. I mean, if you have tons of debt and you don't have a plan to get out of debt, if you get your bills and you just let them pile up and don't pay them, if you mm. hesitate before leaving a tip for someone. Um, I mean, there's so many different things. If you're mm. if you don't if you're not willing to charge for what you're worth in your business, um, that's good. Actually, a lot of those. If you're willing to give discounts to everyone that you know, and you're not afraid to stick to what you're supposed to charge, or like giving discounts to strangers just because they ask for it, you know, yeah, not feeling really comfortable negotiating, whether that's in your business or just going to Best Buy and saying, "Hey, your website said this was ten dollars less than what I was planning mm. on paying." Mm. I mean. There's all these kinds of things to do with money that if you either avoid completely, like if you never look at your financial statements or your credit card statements to know what you spent, that's an emotional problem, I think. So I think there are tons of different ways you can do that. And I don't think that you have to be comfortable with all of those things, but maybe you should start challenging yourself with some of them. And the more comfortable you can be with it, and the less you can avoid money situations like that, I think the better off you're going to be, and the better yeah. off your business is going to be.
0: It's almost like that. Uh, yeah, when what I'm thinking about as you say that is this awareness, yeah, uh, of of your practices. Not that because you ask the guy at Home Depot for a discount that you have an emotional issue with money, uh, but but it's something to notice. Oh, I've done that. I I do that relatively often, asking for a discount or or this that or the other. That what what could that mean about the way I think about money? Well, it probably means like I don't have a lot of it and I'd like to have more, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and and that's fine. We're I, all there. Yeah, I think I think what I think what you just said is
2: actually the op- the opposite of that is true though. If if you do ask for discounts somewhere, you're likely to have more sure. money. If you're afraid to ask for a discount or you're constantly overpaying for things because you want people to think that you um are very generous. Um, but you're putting yourself into money problems because of that behavior that's going to cause you to be...
0: Yeah, it reminds wrong. me of that Millionaire Next Door book where most of the... Mil- well, Caleb, you, I'm sure you've read that one, right? Yeah. And it, I can't remember the, the if it was some study that they're just showing the results from, but it is something like that, right?
1: Yeah, it's basically that the people that are actually millionaires don't look like it because they don't live the lifestyle of millionaires. They... I mean the book the book is also geared towards people that aren't entrepreneurs, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's people that have just, you know, had the same kind of job for their whole life and they save money up and yeah. you know, which is one hundred percent okay. That's a great way to do it and that's how I thought I was gonna do it yeah at first too. But on the flip side of that is, you know, working for yourself, but then just not upgrading your lifestyle to, you know, have a new fancy car all the time or have go on luxurious trips and stuff like that. Those yeah. kinds of things. Those people typically aren't actually millionaires and a lot of people that make a lot of money spend more money than they have and go into debt. And, you know, the whole thing with professional athletes that I think you and I were talking about. Yeah. That um, 30 for 30, 30, 30. Yeah. Special about all the professional athletes that make millions and millions of dollars and just spend all of it. So it's more about lifestyle and less about the dollar amount on like your paycheck. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so let me get into the second part of that quote uh, uh, from Seth Godin because this is what really nailed it for me. Uh, he says, again, I'll read the first part. If money is, money is an emotional issue for you, you've just put your finger on a big part of the problem. No one who is good at building houses has an emotional problem with hammers. Place your emotional problems where they belong and focus on seeing money as a tool. And this is kind of reminds me of, of Josh Shipp's uh, money is a moral thing. And I think there's really something clarifying in there um, about, you know, the way that a contractor feels about a hammer is the way that an entrepreneur should feel about money. Because couched that way, you realize that money is one of our tools. And I don't know if I ever put that together before. Money felt like the reward. But really, it's like a it's like a tool. I thought the tools before were simply like you know copywriting and uh, you know unique selling propositions or whatever we call those things and and defining your audience and differentiation and being able to design a good website and being able to get understanding social media like these were the tools that we have as entrepreneurs in the digital age. Yeah. But then Seth just couched money as a tool there, and it makes you makes you think of the traditional like the historical point of a. Uh, or job of whatever entrepreneurs and and especially i guess venture capitalists where they're talking about ta- you know spending money to make a lot more money so in that situation it's just a tool you're buying up this company to roll it up together with this other one to sell it to SAP in a year and a half and and make you know Five or 17x on your money, right? Um, Money was just a tool. And this is uh, to another uh, point that Seth actually makes. What does he say? If you borrow money to make money, you've done something magical, right? But on the other hand, if you go into (laughs) debt, if you go into Johnny Depp's, (laughs) if you go into depth, if you go into debt to pay your bills or buy something you want but don't need, you've done something stupid, stupid and short-sighted and ultimately life-changing for the worst. this again, another example of like money being this tool that we can use to purchase a, a, a home that can either be an asset or a liability, depending on how the market performs or how your outlook on, on, you know, whatever buying homes is or, or, or whatever things like this. That was the. Now, now, what do you think of this, Corbett? Because we still are very, we're just bootstrapped, independent, supporting ourselves through this thing to build this business. And in some ways, it almost doesn't feel like we. I kind of don't feel like I look at money as, as a tool. It's still like a, oh, what did we make this week or this month kind of thing, and is that going to cover our expenses in some ways? Yeah. Is that what it's like to you? No,
2: not really, because um, the business has grown from me uh, originally, and now we are three people. And the you know big reason that we are three people is because the business grew enough to afford to pay you guys yeah. to come on, to make it possible um So, in that way, you know that 's the simplest way that money is a tool, just to be able to pay people to do things for you that help you to grow. and hopefully, you know through using money as a tool, you turn that money into more money that 's the whole goal you know it's yeah. like let's say you know somebody gave us hundred thousand dollars tomorrow for our business as a loan. How could we use that money by hiring people or by paying for advertising um, or whatever it is? To turn that hundred thousand into two hundred thousand or or whatever it is, um, and I think there are a lot of businesses at small stages that don't have everything figured out already, and it's hard to use money to generate yeah. more. Um, so you have to be careful about that as well. Money can be a tool, but you can also throw money away. Um, and you know, just a, as a simple example, when people are learning how to use paid advertising uh, to their benefit, you know, to to put up Facebook ads and to sell more of their products, there's a long learning period there where your return on investment is negative. right? So you're putting a dollar in and you're not earning a dollar back from Facebook ads or from whatever it is because you have to learn how to create the right environment, the right ads, the right landing page, yeah. Um, you know, all the different parameters, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and you have to go through that. So sometimes you have to spend a little bit of money and use it as a tool, uh, as a learning tool, really, to get to the point where you can earn more.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think even growing up, as you give a kid allowance or you get your first part-time or full-time jobs, money's just a reward. You do something and you're given money. Yeah. And until you start to think like an entrepreneur does where, okay, this money enables me to do certain things or to do more or to pay people to do stuff for me so I can do less. I think that until you start to look at things that way, it just becomes a trade of time for money what do you, or effort for money. What do you
2: guys think about um, you know people who... There are people who are chronically in debt and just feel hopeless about money, have no clue about how to get out of their situation, all that kind of stuff, and have just struggled um, for a long time and, and make the kinds of bad decisions that Seth was talking about in that quote earlier. Um, what do you think about their chances of being an entrepreneur successfully? And is entrepreneurship a, a, a valid path for them?
0: You know, in the, in the context of a, or I guess in that context, It makes a lot of sense that there needs to be some learning about money, you know. for For me personally, I have my whatever emotional issues and things, particular outlook on money that I that I've sort of come to have. But I've never missed a payment on a thing, you know. We've we've got we've gone into a handful of debts on on very calculated sort of things, and i have I have a few mortgages that are like it's a calculated kind of debt right you know the same way that when i got the no limit amex and we allowed it to go to x y and z when i was purchasing computers for my very first company that i started like that was a calculated risk mm-hmm. you know and, and and it took a long time to pay that one single debt off um but so the the point being like I never that was not my context hearing about that context, going deep into debt, not being even really to be able to see that you're, it's happening or even if you see that it's happening, you don't really care, you don't really think there's a consequence there that kind of situation is like yeah, there needs to be some education about like don't do that's not a smart way of doing and one of the one of the things that uh another one uh in here that uh that Seth says he says to to go along with that previous post our point getting out of debt as fast as possible as fast as you possibly can, is the smartest thing you can do with your money. If you need proof to confirm this, ask anyone with money to show you the math. Hint, credit card companies make more profit than just about any other companies in the world. And it's just, you know, the idea of getting out of debt being the quickest way you can possibly earn more money later on is sort of interesting. It goes to another point that he he mentions about, like, saving money is the same, is worth the same amount of money as earning that money. Instead of you, you know what I mean. So, like, money really is this this weird sort of thing. So, oftentimes, you think differently about like what did I make last month versus you know what did I spend in some ways. And I think I, I listened to a lot of Ramit Sethi before, where he's or as Chris Johnson calls him Ramit. <laughs> it just it's just how he originally read his name, like, yeah. So you know, stuck on it, and so he just can't not say it any other way. And so, as Ramit says um, about like you know you could you could not get that latte. And you save your three dollars or four dollars a day or something like that. But to ram it, that's not an interesting way of doing things. Let's earn that four dollars instead. Let's do. Let's make businesses that that earn. And we we kind of feel the same way and, and want to create the tools to help people to do that. But um, I guess it's a long winded way around. When I think about that story, Corbett that you mentioned of of you know folks in real debt in real situations like that, where there is almost like a chronic sort of behavior. You know, I just read a uh, or in a in a Merlin Man post recently. He said, Re- "Reality is the thing that keeps happening all the time. That's what reality is. <laughs> it's not the thing in your head that, that's like your interpretation of how things are going. You know, <laughs> right? So if you could look at the at the bills or the the debt or the whatever it is, that's the clue into what reality actually is. Now you realize there's some education to do. So the thing in your head needs to be uh, rejiggered to make much clearer sense of of reality." Instead of just running on doing the same thing it has been doing, I don't know. Did I was and that what you were asking?
1: My my answer to yours, Corbett, would be um, to quote a well known scholar: "More money, more problems." <laughs> because if you're bad with money, when you don't have any of it, you're going to be even yeah. worse with it. Probably when you have a lot. So, I do think that those people can be entrepreneurs, and through becoming an entrepreneur, they could learn about money and get better with yeah. it. Um. You know I, I but I think you have to educate yourself, yeah, exactly, honestly, exactly. about money at the same time as you're starting your business
2: exactly it's a it's a skill like anything else and and you know some people will pick it up more quickly than others just because you know money happens to make sense to them or they grew up in the right environment that sort of trained them properly yeah. about money. but um, like anything else, you can get better at it. Um, If you focus on it and uh, you know, it's like learning a language or learning how to design things or whatever it is, but you're going to have to spend that time to actually get good at it. And I've, I've noticed that just over the past five years, even um, you know, as an entrepreneur who's bootstrapping that um, you know, I've gotten better over time at earning, you know, consistently and and growing the business. But um, there was definitely some learning there. And, And even for me, a period of kind of getting comfortable with charging people and uh, feeling good about the thing
0: that I was selling to them. Yeah, it's interesting because I could, I could, you know, so many of us starting out on our businesses, like just trying to make the thing, so many of the people listening to the show and so many of the fizzlers and, and people on the Sparkline, um, it just the first, when I was there, like the, the only thing I could imagine is creating something that gets to some level of traction. You know whether that was in revenue or in just traffic or or whatever right on a blog or or an ebook or something like that I just dreamt of like getting to some place uh, where there's where it felt like there was traction like oh look look there's some momentum I'm building this thing that's the only thing I could picture right now that I'm in that place I'm in the driver's seat with you guys a, a thing that like has the traction and we are making the money that we need to every month and we need to make more and we we're, we're we're actively looking at how do we build this business the right way, you know? Uh, now I realize, like, <laughs> it, it, does, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. Now we have all these big questions about what do we do with the money? If we wanted to find m- new people who have never heard of Fizzle or the Fizzle Show or the Sparklane or Think Traffic, how would we do that? And what's the best way to do that? And what's the best way to, to earn back the money on our investment of that? And that all requires a level of thinking about money that uh, before I just, I, it's it's certainly not my strong suit. You know, it is for both of you guys. I think you guys are both really, really skilled at the way you look at, at money and the way you think about these things. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to me. So in the context of someone who's com- repeatedly in debt and repeatedly making ho- bad decisions about this sort of stuff, it's like... All you can dream about is get into a point of traction. Well, I'm sitting here saying like, all oh, that's all. I, I had the same dream, and now that I'm at a point of traction, I realize like, no, 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 no. The horizon just keeps on going, and the and the stakes only get higher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All it, they only it only gets more uh, serious. The things you could potentially lose, or, or or whatever, right? So you built this thing to traction, and then you, because of these bad habits, it it completely fizzles out. You know that's almost more sad than never building the thing in the first place. In some ways. So, um, another interesting thing I think to
2: think about here is, um, just how easy it is to kind of get sucked into the idea that we always need to be making more money. You know, it's like, we need more money. We need to make more money. We need to focus on revenue. We need to make that, that higher and better and whatever. Um, but is, is that the case? And like, what should you be willing to sacrifice in order to make more money, um, and does more money really end up making you happier? And in what situations does it?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, I mean, especially for, you know, startup and bootstrap kind of culture or whatever. I guess it, you know, I've, I've realized this recently. There's, there's sort of two worlds that I'm coming to see. I'm coming to see there's two worlds. There's this startup world that I've known about for a long time and kind of been vaguely involved in. Like things you could listen to here are like this week in startups. With Jason Kalkanis. like it's all interviews with founders of billion-dollar companies, essentially, or or all all founders who want to get their company to a billion dollars, and then VCs and all. Of, so the, it's just this really, really, really big game, and, and and it feels like you know when you're listening to that, like these guys are talking, like this is the only way, you know. Then there's this other world I realize of like the bootstrappers, um, and we've kind of always seen ourselves as this kind of independent. Entrepreneur, indie, indie entrepreneurs, what I call them, sort of world of of bloggers and things like that. That's somewhere in the middle. Uh, Then there's this this bootstrapper sort of thing. This is like Rob Walling and and Justin Jackson. It was a guy who kind of like has helped me see this world. There's this whole like other thing going on there. Like Rob Walling has this micro conference, and I've been just devouring all these videos because they're really good. It's just it's just self funded startups basically. Uh, and it, they talk completely differently than the this week in startup crowd, than the, like the big startup venture back raising money game. And now that I see these these a lot more, I mean, we've always been talking about self starting, sort of bootstrapping and all that stuff. But we've been doing it on an even smaller level than than some of these guys. Just thinking about starting up a blog, getting some traction, making your first product, going growing your audience. We know more about growing an audience than than half those people. But they they've been coming at it. From a software as a service sort of model for forever, um, which is kind of a little bit new to our audience, I think, wouldn't you say? Software as a service, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are, yeah, it, there are some fizzlers who are building software, but it's it's not the uh, it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. So it's interesting to see these two groups, kind of <laughs> these kind of, I guess, distilling down. I'm seeing that clarity a little bit more, and the 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 bootstrapper group. They're interested in, in in a much smaller sort of payday that's much more consistent, mm-hmm. and and the well the and, and startup- much more
2: and much more likely. That's that's the other piece yeah. of it, you know, because yeah. as a again as a VC backed company, you have like a you know one percent chance of hitting a real home run. Yeah. Um, and the idea I think with bootstrapping is that you have a ninety percent chance of hitting a double, you know, or yeah. something like that.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's that that is such a big difference. You know, in Outlook, the the idea is to make like a a relatively you know something that's 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 profitable at a sustainable rate over here in the bootstrapper you know sort of setup something that they might call a cash machine or something like that. Um, And versus you know how do we how do we raise a bunch of money and you know add virality to our product? You know, and even the Eric Ries, the lean startup stuff, it's all built for these big startups. Yeah, it really is, and he's just a big startup guy. And a lot of, I mean, most of the book is, is directly, you know, applicable to all of us making a a blog or a product or a small sort of bootstrapper sort of vibe. But like, really, he's a, he's also a big startup-y guy. That's where his whole world is. That's where he's come from, you know? Uh, But so it's just interesting to see these two different views from a crew, from crews that I previously thought were the same. Essentially, and and these both being different from our main audience, which ends up being people who want to learn how to start up a blog that gets a little bit of traffic and maybe sell some adwords. You know, know? I'd I'd love to hear from you guys.
2: Um, I think we're all kind of in the same boat in that we, you know, we're doing Fizzle's doing well. Uh, We're not all millionaires, but we're doing pretty well. But I'd say that you know we're each of us is doing comparably to you know when we. Whatever our good earning years were before we started doing fizzle, um and maybe a little better now at this point, we're getting there. Um, but how do you feel about that? Like how does your life compare now, given that you're earning in the same general ballpark? It's not like you've you know quadrupled your your earning potential or something overnight. You're earning in the same ballpark, but you're you know we're running this thing together as opposed to working for somebody else. Like
0: how do you compare that? It's interesting. i I'm looking at this from a long term, like I'm really, really interested, I, I think, in making a big brand or not a big brand, sorry, a, a, something that that becomes a brand, something that becomes that stands for something bigger than Corbett, Caleb and Chase. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in, in that. The idea of making something that's a little invoice software that does like a little bit over time and is just like a cash machine just isn't interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Like I, I, I want to solve a more interesting problem, uh, and I see independence, creativity, and autonomy as like the most like one of the things that. Uh, there, one fa- entrepreneur I've fallen in love with is the guy from Balsamic. Mm-hmm. Balsamic, you you make these these wire that look clearly wire frame-able. His story is amazing. I'll put in the show notes a link to. A video that he did on the business of of startups conference, Um, but the reason why I love him so much, he's Italian and just adorable. Like, like not not like a smooth suave suave Italian. Like, just kind of like geeky and fired up and like excitable and just amazing. He's like, he's great. Um, And I can't remember why I was bringing him up. Why was I doing that? What was I answering there? Something about autonomy and creativity being, you know, the currency. Yeah, so so he, one of the things he said in this talk that I'll link to is, um, and I think it's a quote from someone, you know, I'm sure some important entrepreneur I'm supposed to know about. But you fall in love with a problem and not your solution to the problem and you'll be just fine. And I think that's a really huge quote for me. If you fall in love with a problem instead of your solution to the problem. So if I fall in love with independence, creativity, autonomy creating your own business supporting yourself and your family I fall in love with that now I've been in love with that now, I'm not I then instead of falling in love with fizzle I fall in love with that and then fizzle keeps getting better 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 and better yep you know so I love I love that angle in on things uh, and it just kind of just that to say like this idea of building this bigger brand this bigger thing that represents a uh you know we're all we're constantly looking at a lynda.com. Linda's a, a, a big massive institution of learning about a particular about you know unique particular specific things you know uh, and I want fizzle to become that about about a handful of unique particular and specific things around the idea of being an entrepreneur it's not how to use Photoshop it's how to understand differentiating your business from the competition it's how to use Google AdWords it's you know these sorts of things mm-hmm. that that I that I, I want that brand to sort of stand for and, and to be useful and, and helpful at I guess Um, so anyways, the answer to your question, I'm the first thing I think of is I want to build that, that brand. And because I've been thinking on those thoughts, like, I guess it's making me a little bit crazy because one of the things in this recent talk I watched, like a guy raised, raised his hand. He's like, he's all okay. Like anybody in this room who, even if you quit, if you stopped doing everything in your business right now, if you stopped today in one month, you'd still have made $10,000 from your business. Raise your hand. And I realized that's us. Like, that's where our business is at, too. Of course, we have to pay three people out of that. But, but like, that was a, that was kind of like a, whoa, that's a victory, you guys. We could stop everything right now and fizzle next month would make $10,000. It just will. Right. Am I right? I mean, yeah, I mean guy, So I think it, it would, right? It would make more than that. Yes. It would make, it would make more than that. Right. Like, but that, it, the way that that was, that question was, was, was worded made it kind of come clear to me, like, whoa, we've built a thing. It was for the first time I realized, oh my God, this thing is, we've built it. We've built a thing. like This is a thing that exists in the world that we've built, and it's working. And it's at that level that so many people want to build a thing to get to. And I've, it, we've, we've done it. So what now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. what's next? And this is what I'm getting at with that whole, like, the, hor- the horizon just keeps stretching out. And there's all, there, it just it doesn't get easier. It almost gets harder. And the question is, is it becoming more meaningful or less meaningful? You know, not only to you but also to the world. Um, So those are the those are the things my brain has been sort of circulating around, uh, I guess, orbiting around rather uh, for last. What would your Caleb? What would your answer be to the question?
1: I would say that my life is way better because of lifestyle reasons. Um, I'm making about the same um, with if you add in like benefits I had before versus uh, what I'm making now. But my lifestyle is completely different. I can spend time doing the things I want to do. I can... All, all the cliche stuff really does matter to me. Not having a commute, um, yeah. being able to spend more time with my wife and other parts of my family. Um, those those things matter to me. Yeah. And being able to just go to the gym in the middle of the day if I want to, if I'm banging my head against something and I can't figure it out or I'm just sick of working and need a break, I can go take a walk. And not having to sit at a desk like I had to before. Like the lifestyle thing is a big part of it as well as all the stuff that you talked about chase, which is like impact and connecting with people at conferences like fizzlers and chatting with them and figuring out how things are going with them and helping them yeah. over email when I'm not in person with them. It's so much better than what I used to do. Sure. And so the the money isn't why it's better the money helps um but like you were saying corbett we're all at at least some point back in our previous careers we're to that level yeah um and it took us time to get here and you know chase and i shortcutted that a little bit by hopping on and joining you to do this Um, but the money's not why i wake up and go into the support (laughs) email or Write my next blog post or do my next course. It's 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 not the reason why I do it, but uh, but it helps. Mm. And so that's why it's important to, you know, think about okay, what are we going to earn this year? How are we going to get there? How are we gonna how are we gonna focus and spend our time on the things that we need to get done to get to these revenue numbers? Um, but we have lots of things that we track, and revenue is just just happens to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I wish. Or what would you say? I mean, you've been doing that. You've been in this sort of mode for the longest of you know, solo entrepreneur, working for yourself, yep. making your own schedule, and all of this other stuff. Uh, how does it feel to you right now? Where we're at, given given you know being on your own for so long and develop, you know being so nimble and being able to do whatever you want all the time.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, now I worry. You know, when especially when I'm down here in Mexico. Um, in the winter, I, I worry, um, you know that that you guys or I want to make sure that you guys feel like we're all contributing in the same way, and that I'm not just off playing hooky um, for <laughs> half the year. So that you know that's part of it. That's part of growing the team, and that that does sure. change the dynamic a little bit. Um, but I can tell you, you know, as as well, just it's not just entrepreneurship that makes things so much better. Because my answer would be the same as Caleb's. Um, if you compared my life now. Uh, to a time when I earned a similar amount, you know being a, a corporate consultant or whatever um, it 's just night and day you can 't even they 're not even in the same ballpark it's it 's completely mm. different i 'm um, so much happier now but um, if you compare what I do now as an entrepreneur to what I did before as an entrepreneur and you know before being when I raised venture capital and had an office and employees and a board of directors and advisors and all that kind of stuff, yeah. that is also Night and day, maybe not quite. I mean, I, I did enjoy that entrepreneurial venture more than being an employee, um, but it's it it doesn't compare to what we do now. And so, to me, that question when you were talking about the three different kind of camps, you know, between the bootstrappers and the lifestyle blogger type people and the um, and the the VC entrepreneurs, uh, there's no question. I want to be on the bootstrapper or lifestyle, you know, sort of train. Um, because it, it just doesn't make sense to me um, to dedicate 80 hours of your life you know, to work, when, especially if you're building something like Zynga or some other company that really doesn't matter to humans. It doesn't help people. I don't know how you can feel we good. We just
1: lost our whole Zynga contingency.
2: <laughs> Damn
0: it. Washbomb! <laughs> oh, that's good. I li- <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, but it's interesting because Corbett, I, I mean, the way that you've chosen to live your life is 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 very instructive to me. I, it's something that I'm forced to reckon with, not just because we're business partners, but because uh, it's interesting. You know, the 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 decision not to do the the kids, the traditional family thing yet, the if if at all, the the decision to go to Mexico for several months out of the year, which is almost like less of like, and you didn't like, we weren't sitting in California saying like, that's it, I'm deciding we go to Mexico. Like, you know, you traveled around, you experienced it and it almost happens to you and you realize like, I don't want to leave yet. Let's stay for another month. And, you know, could, so it happened very naturally because of experiences, but, but then it be, because you were the kind of, you were creating the kind of environment in yourself about what business is, what it means to work, what it means to create something, What it means to 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 be able to pay your bills and do the things, like because of the way you were thinking about that stuff, that seemed like an option to you and a and a good one, better than several other options you could have had, you know. Uh, And I like that; it's instructive to me to think through what are we. I feel like just the fact that you're in Mexico for half the year forces us to be like, well, how important is a blog post really? You know, how important is this? I mean, the truth is, we're 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 going to build this business. Over the long haul. So if I put a lot of stock in writing some blog posts, I hope that a million people tweet it and and look at it, uh, and and just have an amazing experience with it. Like it, that's not the point, you know. So in some ways, the way that you're living your life the, the, that that in, instructs a sort of easygoingness, but a focused and dedication. Something that Eugene Peterson calls the long obedience in the same direction. You know, that's more more of what business for a bootstrapper is like than then you know i get calls from a lot of guys who are friends of mine who are building businesses and they're like fired up they're doing the thing they're like i got this idea this one they're like they, they they're like telling me all their business strategies and, and play like and we don't do a lot of that because it's like we we know what the job kind of is it's like we got to keep making good courses within fizzle that solve people's problems and help them kick ass in their business yeah and then we got to keep writing blog posts regularly that 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 continue to pique the interest and, and help you know you know apply things that we're learning in our our own business to hopefully to our to our audience businesses you know it's in some ways as a as a 31 year old dude that like that here we are this is the work is kind of screwing with me and so I was like wait wait this is it and it's like yeah you know what this is it in some ways that that's that's something I'm kicking against and embracing all at the same time. Does that make any sense? Totally. I I think the um,
2: in the beginning, it's really clear. Like you said, the, in the beginning, you have to you have to get traction. You have to prove that people want the thing that you're making and that they're willing to pay for it. And everything you do is focused on that because yeah. because that hurdle means whether or not you're able to pay your bills and put food on the table. And mm-hmm. then as soon as you get over that, all of a sudden you realize that this is a choose your own adventure game, but the the, the potential options aren't written out for you. You have to not only choose your adventure, but you have to write, uh, mm. you know, each chapter. And I think that all of that opportunity and that um, that uncertainty, I guess, can feel really daunting. And I, I feel the same thing. And I think... Um, I think, you know, that's why, that's why the annual planning stuff is important that we talked about before. And that's why really knowing what matters to you is important. And I think that's why most companies end up just putting money at the center of all their goals. And, Mm. uh, now you're seeing, you know, these sustainable corporations and things, these different structures that are focused on giving back to the community, making sure that they have a positive impact on their employees, their customers and, you know, the, uh, the communities that they live in.
1: We'll just look at the look at the startup part of the you know teeter totter or whatever you want to say the two sides you can choose from to be like startup world bootstrapping. Um, the startup world's goal, and partially it's based on the fact that VCs end up being semi in charge or mostly in charge of these companies, is money. Hmm. And a bootstrapper's goal, or someone that cares about their lifestyle, their their first goal typically isn't money. Um, it's a goal and it's maybe second or third on the list, but their lifestyle is the most important part usually. Um, or the types of things they can do w- with the money, either that's impact or in their personal life. Yeah. So that's kind of the duality that I see between startup and bootstrapping is we could hire more people right now, try to scale Fizzle as much as we want, but we don't really want to do that right now. That I mean, we, sit, we sat down and had this conversation, uh, I don't know, nine or 10 months ago. Like, where do you see this company in a few years? How many employees does it have? That sort of thing. Um, versus, okay, let's let's go fish this thing around. Let's try to get funding. Let's try to get picked up by some VC company. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. That's the mindset difference that I think you need to know which camp you're in. Neither camp is bad, but you, you kind of need to know what your mindset yeah, is. Yeah, because
0: like my friend Jay says, some business ideas actually can't be bootstrapped. You know, and and uh, another thing that I got from Jason Glassby in his founder story in Fizzle is this idea that you have, think it through to its completion. What does it look like when it's really successful? Because sometimes you'll realize you'll find out that if this idea actually succeeds, you're running a company with a hundred to two hundred people, and that not, that might not be the goal. You know, so if you really fall in love with the problem and let this business be what it really is, you know. What could that potentially turn into? And is that something that you want? In some ways, that maybe that's a good problem to have. You could look at having it. You know, Rob Walling's a guy who has an invoicing software. That's just one of a hundred or two hundred options as invoicing software, and that's fine. He's fine with that because it just makes its little money. It's a little cash machine that, like an ATM machine at a Seven Eleven, that just keeps earning. You know, uh, you know, everybody who who takes out money from it, he gets three three bucks from that. You know, something like that. Okay, so in closing, I have one more Seth quote that I feel like so, like really gets, I love this quote a lot and I'd never heard it before. Uh, he says, in our culture, making more money feels like winning and winning feels like the point. And I just, it's like, ah, oh, just like it stabs you through the heart in some ways. Corbett, you mentioned- The feels
1: like part there.
0: Yeah, Cor- Corbett, you you mentioned essentially the same thing earlier on, but you know, I'll say it again. In our culture, making more money feels like winning and winning feels like the point. Uh, and it just reminds me of the things that I love about this conversation, about money, about what what could I do for a living? Who am I and what am I here for? How can I possibly make a business by myself? You know, how could I support myself independently without getting a paycheck from you know Caleb in your situation, Boeing, or you know in anybody else's situation, they uh, the, the whoever the corporations are, right? How could I possibly do that? And I love that this co- this question brings it back to well, what what do you want? What do, what do you want? I mean, this is that, like this is what life hacking was like originally before it turned into like. How do we get more page views on lifehacker.net or whatever? You know, this was, it was about like how, it was about being really intentional about asking, what do I want? And what's the point of my life? And how can I be independent and creative and autonomous to create, to make that happen? How can I be fulfilled and, and, and like actually living pretty psyched out, like pretty fired up about what, how I'm living my life? How could that, how could both those things happen at the same time, you know? And I love this the way that that Seth words that there. So that's my that's my final point. Is in a, in our culture, it really does. It really does feel like like making more money is winning, and winning's the point. And the this whole bootstrapper movement, in some ways, the lean startup movement. But like I said, that kind of feels like the big startup thing. And in some ways, the people that I buy jam from at the farmers market right? The people making jewelry out of silverware that you can buy on Etsy. We're like this big movement of people saying it doesn't have to be that way. And I love that, that we have these tools, these, the, the, the lessons that we're learning about what it's like to create something that people actually want and then get it in front of them, which is, a, which is almost the real hard part. How do I know how to get this jewelry to people across the world who are looking for it? Or that would enjoy it and wouldn't know to search for it. You know, those are the big questions that hopefully the products that we make, you know, help people figure out the answers to. But that's my closing point. That's my closing remark. Anything to add, guys? Um, I guess I would just hope that people listening to this realize
2: that the way you feel about money does impact the amount of money you're capable of earning. Mm. And that um, if, you aren't good at earning money right now, um, you can get better at it, and you can just get mm. more comfortable with money in general, and have a better relationship with it. It just takes practice and awareness. And we're not experts, obviously, in, in personal finance. Caleb is about half of an expert, I guess, um, at this point. Um, I'll take it. But uh,
0: I'll take it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but there are there are experts out there, and, and Caleb would know, I guess, who
0: to refer people to. I like the idea of Caleb's not a full expert, but he's an ebook expert <laughs> on money. <laughs> It's like there because it's true. There's this whole class of ebook experts, <laughs> and you're certainly one of them, Caleb. Thank you. <laughs> and we like them. I think we're ebook experts, basically, trying to get better. Trying to get. <laughs> we're just looking for that publishing deal that'll bring it on home. I don't know, Caleb. What do you think
2: uh, in terms of if if people want to get better at money, who should they who should they turn to?
1: Uh, let's see. So the books that I would read if I could only read like three Desert Island style books. I would read Your Money or Your Life, um, Millionaire Next Door. You're just saying then, that. You don't
0: believe that. You're just saying that.
1: No. that We've that already gotten to is, the
0: point of, of Millionaire Next Door. I feel like the point of that book was like,
1: they don't have nice things. Move on. <laughs> In some ways. True?
0: Right? Yeah.
1: I, Cliff notes that one then. Yeah. We just and did it for the, you. <laughs> and then the third one would be whoever, whichever of the like main personal finance... I hate the term gurus, but gurus basically... Um, that you kind of resonate with. So whether that's Ramit or someone like uh, JD Roth or Trent ham from Simple Dollar or someone bigger like Susie Orman or uh, Dave Ramsey, whoever, which whichever one of those you kind of resonate with their style, pick up their book because each of them have multiple, if if not just one, um, and and learn from that personally. I really went with uh, J.D. Roth's style. So he has a book called Money, the Missing Manual. Um, You could read Ramit's I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Either of those will give you a good overview of all of personal finance. Um, Your money or your life will frame money as uh, a little bit as like why to earn money and how to use it as a tool and not as the goal. And then, I don't know. I like Millionaire Next Door. You like Millionaire Next Door. You like it. Yeah. You dig it. Yeah. It's your thing. It's one of my things,
0: and we should mention uh, <laughs> Matt Giovanisci. I still don't know how to say the. Good job, you did. It. You fun. did it. Uh, he's got a he's got a podcast on this with his with his buddy, and it's quite funny. So uh, on on uh, personal finance stuff, he, Matt is the guy. If you search for um, pool rap video, you'll find Matt. He's a fizzle,r pool, and, I, I, and I like pool care rap video. Pool care rap. Well, I just searched for pool rap and it worked. So right. hopefully that still works. And rap as in rap as in hip hop, folks. Not as in like it, it had a rapper on it. Um, but they've got they've got a, a podcast about uh, personal finance stuff that we'll put in the show notes there for
1: you as well. I was just on it actually. You were. So if you want to hear me talk about money, episode eighteen of that one. You know what, Caleb? It just made so much sense. You're.
0: Stein. Who's what is it? Robert Stein? Who's the finance guy? These are your eyes. These are your eyes with Visine.
1: Who's that guy? Oh, Ben Stein Ben. Oh, ben Stein.
0: Ben Stein. <laughs> Remember, he's like all finance dude, right? Yeah, I know. You're our Ben Stein. Mmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. And Caleb and, and I'm the I'm the dry, itchy red eyes. And Corbett is the after Visine eyes. Oh.
1: Aww. and I'm, I, I'm the solution that gets poured all over him I, I don't understand this metaphor. <laughs> I you're just the guy on the beach telling me about my eyes oh, okay, I,
0: gotcha. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves I've been Corbett Barr I've been Caleb Logic make money on the internet it's free on internet <laughs> so there you have it make money on the internet it's free well almost free hey listen we haven't really talked about this yet uh, on the show, but you're going to hear more about it soon. Okay? We've fallen in love with a tool called Gumroad. Y- you make a book or a song or some Photoshop template or some anything, whatever it is you make. Okay? You upload it to Gumroad, uh, and and people, <laughs> and then people buy it, and you don't have to worry about any of the back end setup stuff, like uh, approving people's credit card charges, storing credit card information. I don't know all that, all that crap. Uh, you don't have to worry about it at all. Uh, that's all I want to say right now we partnered with Gumroad to make a little quick start guide that you'll find at fizzle.co slash gumroad if you haven't checked out Gumroad before or if you're interested in it, you gotta check out that page Uh, we'll share more on it in the next episode so stay tuned you will find links to everything from this show at fizzleshow.co slash 40 that's the number 40 Including that amazing talk from Peldi, my new my new favorite Italian entrepreneur. Uh, check that out alongside Josh Ship's "Money Matters" and doesn't post, as well as a handful of questions that I pulled out from this uh, conversation. That you that one you just listened to right there. Uh, there was this part where Caleb had these really great questions to ask yourself to see what your thoughts really are about money. I pulled out a handful of those and added a couple more and, and added them right there to the page on fizzleshow.co slash 40. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 40. Can you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you use to listen to the show? Would you just do that, please? I would love it if you did that. Yes, I'm talking to you. I read every single one of them. Literally, I... I'm a little upset that we don't have any from Algeria right now, but that's a whole other issue. I can see them. I have this little app called CommentCast that allows me to see all the questions and, and comments uh, on the podcast from every country. So add add a review. Tell us what you like and how to make the show better. Honestly, I'm listening, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. This money stuff is sort of hard for me to think through. Uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. It's a little bit sort of tickly in the back of my throat. Um, but I hope that this conversation that we've had uh, hearing smart guys like Corbett and Caleb talk about it and, and Seth Godin, those quotes from him. Hope those, those things could help you as they're kind of helping me to think through this stuff. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in folks. Thanks. And I'll see you next Fizzle Friday.